Hi, everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, where we have smart conversations about all that and a whole lot more. I am the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, the book. Go out and get yourself a copy, please, because if you're pregnant, know somebody who's pregnant or thinking about pregnant, you're going to want the inside information that I provide in that book based on my 20-year career as a labor and delivery nurse. So our goal here on the podcast is to talk about all kinds of things, all kinds of different aspects of parenthood, and to share the experiences with each other. Because you know what? Being a mother and a parent these days, is it's tough going, and we need each other, right? Um, I hope everybody had a really great Mother's Day. I did. I complete with some presents and a picnic and a lovely dinner spent with my husband and kids. It was lovely. Thank you very much. As I mentioned last week and the week before that, we're talking a lot about politics all through May because that's the one month of the year when people pay attention to the things mothers go through. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about supporting politics to support mothers, and we uh, interviewed Carol Sakala about the Quality Care for Moms and Babies Act, Act, which offers a much-needed opportunity to drive improvements in maternal and infant care here in the U.S. and, you know, help more mothers and babies thrive. Then last week, we talked with Krish Vignaraja about running for governor as a new mom. Now, this week, I want everyone to go on over to everymothercounts.org and check out their section on giving birth in America, then follow the tabs and learn more about Senate Bill 1112 and House Bill 1318. Um, It's called the Maternal Health Accountability Act, also called the Preventing Maternal Deaths Act, and it already has really strong support on both sides of the aisle. It was introduced in 2017 and now needs the Senate Help Committee to hold a hearing and vote on it. So go on over and find out how you can make an impact for mothers all over the country. Then, while you're over there, check out their Orange Rose collection of items like a real cute Solly Baby wrap. They've got cute tank tops and t-shirts, jewelry. They have a lot of great items over there. And the proceeds go to support Every Mother Counts, who is supporting mothers all over the world. Also, if you have a primary election coming up this week, next week, or soon, make sure you vote. Vote for the local, state, and national leaders you want. And let's turn this thing around, shall we? Voting in a primary election is just as important as voting in the main election, which will be next November. Okay, that's it for the political rant this week. Now let's talk about sex and what happens to women's and couples' sex lives after they have kids. It's not bad news, folks. Even if you're in the early, sweaty, sleepless stage of parenting, there's still sex in your future. So when Dana Myers reached out to talk about her new book, The Mommy Mojo Makeover, 28 Tools to Reclaim Your Sensuality and Reignite Your Relationship After Having Kids, I thought, what the heck? Let's get Dana on the line. Dana B. Myers is the award-winning founder of Booty Parlor. She's an author and mother of two, and she inspires thousands of women to awaken their self-confidence and create sexier, more satisfying experiences in and out of the bedroom. Dana has appeared as a sex expert on Access Hollywood, Good Morning America, and The Wendy Williams Show, among others, and her products have been featured in Cosmopolitan, Women's Health, Marie Claire, and many more. Let's go ahead and get this week's guest on the line. Hi, Dana. It's Jeannie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really well. Dana, where are you? I am in Miami right now. Ooh, sunshine. Yeah, sunshine. It's beautiful. I've been living here for about 11 months now. Yeah. Do you like it? I do. It's. I was living in Brooklyn. I was living in Los Angeles. I was living in St. Lucia in the Caribbean. And Miami is very different to each of those places, but so far, so good. All right. Well, yeah. I have a sunny day today, but- Where are you? I'm in Portland, Oregon, land of drizzle. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's the land of drizzle. So when you know, I talk to somebody in Florida or anywhere really where they're having a sunny day, I'm always jealous. But today it's nice here. Good. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dina, my first real question for you is this. Who are you and yeah. what do you do? 
Oh, what a great question. Um, I'm Dana B. Myers, and I am the founder of a sexy beauty and lifestyle brand called Booty Parlor. Um, it's a brand I started with my husband about 13 years ago, really because I wanted a better place to shop for things that made me feel sexy and beautiful and and creative in my self as a sexual and sensual woman. Um, and that journey kind of set me off on a really interesting path. I kind of became a student of female sensuality through that process of being a brand owner in the sexual wellness space um, and began talking with thousands and thousands of women all across the country about how they felt about themselves, how they felt about their relationships and sex lives and what their hangups were. Uh, and through all that talking, really, I developed um, some concepts for books and I became an author. I released my first book in 2011 right after I just had my son, four months after I just had my son, um, which was crazy. A little bit, but and, we'll um, talk about a that little. in a little bit. It's a little. And then uh, I, you know, my second book, The Mommy Mojo Makeover, um, I wrote after I had my daughter. So I'm a mom of two. Um, my kids are now almost five and almost eight. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a wife. I'm a lover. I'm a mother. That's kind of that's that's me in a nutshell. That's a pretty good nutshell. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and five and seven, a boy and a yes. girl, five and seven. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. Older boy, older boy named Rocky, and a younger girl named Indy, Indiana. Great yeah. names. Really Thank great you. names. So Thank you. you are at the time of year then when you're looking at summer vacation and starting to oh, yes. starting to plan camps, aren't you? completely 100%. <laughs> I I was actually on the camp website yesterday, sort of frantically booking our weeks, making sure that we got them in before they sold out. Yeah. 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 You know, for, for me as a working mom um, and, and my husband, even though we run our own businesses, we do like to keep summers still pretty structured um, so that we can keep our workflow going. Um, of course, we allow a little bit more flexibility for travel and some family vacations. But yeah, I want those kids in camp. You yeah, get right into right. those camps, yeah. children. We got to work. <laughs> got to work. And you got to play. Yeah. So go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Summer is great and all. I like the, you know, I like that it's less structured, but oh my yes. God. It's a long summer when kids are bored and work has to be oh, done. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I'm not taking that on by myself. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Full stop. I get Full it. Full stop. And I tell you what, you know, my listeners know that my youngest is now 18. It's been a long time wow, since I've – a long time since I've had to think about summer. And it's there's yeah. some relief there. I'm sure. Wow. Wow. Your youngest is 18. That's amazing. Amazing. I know it. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Ooh, and, you know, oh, there's so much we can talk about there. Yeah. But I want to know, I want to know more about, you founded Booty Parlor. Yes. That's kind of unusual. Yes. Yes. So tell me about that. How did all that start? And how did you get into this line of work? Sure. You've got an unusual line of work. Definitely. Well, I, um, I have a pretty big influence in my life, um, in my mother. And uh, she is a makeup artist. She started her makeup artistry business when I was six. And I used to tag along with her um, to the beauty shop. And, and I would watch her give makeovers. And I would watch these women sit down in her chair and immediately start complaining about themselves, um, pointing out these, you know, perceived imperfections or uh, complaining about their husband or about how tired they were with kids. And, and it was this experience of witnessing my mother talk to them in this very girlfriend to girlfriend way while applying makeup that produced this transformation that was very influential to me. So the women would, you know, look at themselves after this makeover and you would see this inner beauty revealed and you would see how they felt about themselves had changed so dramatically. And so growing up in that environment just sort of revealed to me that the power of girlfriend to girlfriend conversation, the power of makeup and transformation um, and secret sharing and honesty. Um, so I was always very interested in beauty. 
um, and kind of, you know, feminine chit chat, if you will. Um, and at the same time, I was a very naturally curious, um, I won't say kid. Uh, I got my period when I was 10. So I sort of became aware of my sexuality, my sensuality at that age. And then in the years shortly thereafter, I just developed a very natural hunger and curiosity to explore that aspect of me. And my parents, you know, were aware. They they saw this sort of hunger that I had. Um, and instead of trying to suppress it, they acknowledged me. They acknowledged me as a sexual being. And that allowed us to have open conversations about what was going on and what, you know, how to value yourself and how to be safe. And, well, we'd rather you wait, but if you don't, here's some tools, you know, to protect yourself emotionally, physically, et cetera. Both, so, both parents? Both parents? Yes, both parents. I mean, my, you know, my mom and I had more in-depth conversations, but the conversation I remember the most is, is with my dad. You know, I was sitting in my room, like playing with my new sound system, and he came in, and I, they knew, they knew I was up to some trouble. You know, they knew I was out there kind of pushing the envelope. Um, and he just said, listen, I acknowledge you as a sexual being. I mean, he said those words. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And of course, I probably rolled my eyes and, you know, threw up in my mouth. But um, I just thought, this is great. Like, I don't have to hide who I am. I'm respected. I'm acknowledged. And, and, and being respected and acknowledged give you permission, right? Permission to know there's no shame. Permission to know that... You're safe in your home with the people who love you, who respect you. So, um, and you know what else? My mom and dad were always being like, don't come in our room. We're going to fool around. And I remember rolling my eyes so much. But now that I look back, they just set such an example for me that, um, that just said, you know what? Intimacy in a healthy relationship is important. So I had these influences, right? This kind of, you know, these influences in beauty, this influence of sexuality as a healthy part of you as a human. And so that naturally kind of put me in the position to be the girl that all my friends came to for love and sex and beauty you're, advice. You're the one who and I really, yes. And I, I loved that, that position in my circle. I loved feeling that I had something to share. And I remember I bought my first vibrator when I was 17 in Seattle. And I had had orgasms before that. But you know, my first orgasm with a vibrator was a life changing moment. And I remember sitting in front of my landline, mm -hmm. right, my landline, and just calling every single friend I knew and saying, you're not, you know, you're not going to believe this exists. You've got to try one of these. So all of those influences kind of came together. And after a career in the music business um, and in music licensing and celebrity endorsements and sort of branded entertainment in Los Angeles, I said, you know, I want to strike out on my own. I want to do something. My passion had for the music business had sort of waned. And I wanted to do something that was, you know, that felt like it had purpose and a mission. And I thought, I want to combine beauty and sex and do it in a way that inspires me and would inspire all my friends. Because 13 years ago, the sex stores were still in pretty bad shape. Yeah. Triple XXX, girls, girls, girls. Yeah. And I yeah. saw this white space to do something better. So, you know, Booty Parlor was one of the kind of first pioneers along with Jimmy Jane and some other great brands who really said, you know what, we can do this better. Um, and the industry has come such a long way from there. So that's my long-winded story of how I got into Booty Parlor. <laughs> so when did you realize you were a leader? I think from a very young age, um, you know, I was always, I mean, I was always bossy. Um, and I never, I never really had any shame about that. Obviously, you know, bossy and leader are now, you know, people say, oh, well, don't call her bossy. She's a leader. Um, mm -hmm. I don't mind. I don't mind being called bossy. I think I'm bossy in a way 
that's somewhat charming. Um, <laughs> I think we get to reclaim our terms. You totally. know, pretty soon we get to just, yeah, we can say bossy if we want to, and it doesn't mean anything bad. Totally. We're bossy. I am. I, I'm a leader, but I'm, I'm also, you know, it's not the only role I play. I also like to be led in certain areas of my life as well. Um, but I think from a very young age, I was always coordinating my friends. I was always coordinating imaginary productions. I was always, you know, I remember some friends and I were making up a, a code language and I, you know, got out the cork board and I was organizing things. I've always liked that position of, of being a creator um, and a leader. And I loved, I love to speak in public as well. So I think all those things collide to, uh, to make me feel like a leader from, from a young age. That's a nice position to be in. You know, yeah. I, I get to talk to a lot of women and many of them don't realize their leadership until later in life. And mm. then they have sort of this look back over, you know, where they've been and what they've done and gone, and gone oh, if only, if only mm. I'd known earlier, I would have taken this other tangent, you know? It's great yeah. when, when young women and girls know, you know, from the get-go. Yeah. And I do think it has a lot to do with, you know, how you just who you are, what your DNA is and how um, you're raised. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that both my parents were entrepreneurs. Uh, I never saw either one of them work for anyone else. Um, and so I think that's just very, again, very influential. You know, you kind of go, OK, well, that's the way it is. They're, you know, they're leaders in their field and they're leading other people and they're taking the initiative to do it for themselves. And okay, that's normal. That's how it's done. Yeah. Yeah. You're really lucky in that way. You know, a lot, a lot of women were raised in families where, you know, it, it, it isn't a question of having the person that you are validated and supported. It's more like, well, who do you think you are? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're fortunate. Very. Yeah. Very fortunate. I'm doing, um, I've got a live workshop tomorrow night to celebrate the launch of my book and my mom is coming. And I just, you know, I've been thinking all day about what a gift it is to have her there because it really kind of start, you know, it started with her being this example for me. And I love to show her off, you know, I love to kind of show her off as the woman who helped me be who I am, who gave me the permission to be who I am. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the new book. So, yes. so the Mommy Mojo Makeover, 28 Tools to Reclaim Your Sensuality and Reignite Your Relationship. Yes, it's a long title. <laughs> it is, it is. But but you're going by the Mommy Mojo Makeover, right? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I think I'm good at a lot of things. One thing I'm not good at is editing myself or um, <laughs> coming up with short taglines. Um, so yeah, that is the name of the book. It's just come out. Um, it's really my, my love letter to modern motherhood and marriage or relationships. Um, it's, uh, it came out of my own experience, certainly of, um, I kind of went into motherhood very self-assured, very um, sound in this knowledge that, hey, nothing's really going to change. Huh. <laughs> you know, I was like so naive, unbelievable naivete. Yeah. Um, I just thought, hey, I've got my business. I've got the love of my life. I've got, you know, this and that. I've written this and blah, 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 blah. I did not know um, that my whole entire world would be turned upside down. I feel like I was so prepared for the birth, but I was not at all prepared for what happened after. Um, and it was the first time in my life that I ever had this experience of not knowing who I was. Like literally overnight, I was a different person and I didn't know who I was and I didn't know it was going to take time to evolve into that next expression of who I would become as a woman and mother and wife and lover. Um, it's identity shock. Oh, and it, it literally does happen. Like one day you're Dana and then the next day after you had the baby, you're Rocky's mom. That's right. Who, who is that woman? No idea. What does she do? <laughs> What's she like? <laughs> who even knows?
knows her? Nobody I know knows her. Totally. It was so confusing. So confusing. And then along with all those changes to my identity came all these changes to my relationship. Um, you know, and my libido. Yes, all of a sudden, you're you're married to Rocky's dad. Who's that? Totally. Yes. Oh my God, that's such an amazing way to put it. Um, yeah. So it was this process, and and of course, I was trying to keep up with all my work and just progress along as though nothing had happened. And I I kind of burnt out on um, trying to do it all at once, and my libido really took a hit. Um, the time that I had once had for self-care was completely eaten up by caring for Rocky and also trying to work and also trying to feed myself and everyone else and all of that jazz. Um, and there was one day in particular where I was trying to do everything. I was on a video conference call. Well, I was about to get on a video conference call. Um, Rocky was crying in the other room with the babysitter cause he didn't want to be with her. And um, I thought, okay, I've got 10 minutes before this call. I am going to put on my makeup, have a cup of coffee, and pump. So I'm sitting at the table, and I'm, I'm putting on my pump, and I'm drinking coffee, and I'm, like, doing my eyeliner. And I hit the button on the pump, and I start to feel, like, drip drops mm-hmm. on, on my legs. And I'm like, am I spilling my coffee? I have five minutes. I have five minutes before I get on this call. And then I had my letdown. And I just felt this waterfall of breast milk onto my lap. Had you forgotten to put the bottles on? I had forgotten to screw on the bottles. (laughs) I've done that. I've done that. We call that fatigue. (laughs) We call that deep fatigue. And I just thought, you know what? Enough. Enough. I have to stop this. I have to stop and take pause. And that was the moment where I sort of shifted out of that fog. And I started doing what I knew how to do and what I had written about in my first book, which was the Mojo Makeover, which was a sexy lifestyle makeover program for all women, not just mothers. Mm -hmm. And so I just started doing something every day, an exercise, an activity, a communication prompt. Um, I would, I started getting, um, I, I started my self pleasuring practice again. I started scheduling sex. I got organized. I got organized to say, I have to start caring for myself in a more sensual way in an effort to get me back, in an effort to feel like I have this kind of sovereignty again, and also in an effort to increase my libido and revitalize that romantic connection in my relationship, because that had taken a real hit too. Yeah. Every day I just started doing something, and of course, because I love to write, I just started taking notes on it, and what evolved... Anyhow, let me back up. Over the course of about three months, I experienced a dramatic transformation. There's that word Mm -hmm. again. Uh, This dramatic transformation where my libido started to rise. I felt like I had a much better handle on my schedule. I felt empowered again to delegate and to pass the baby off and to, again, reclaim that sovereignty of my time. Um, and, And things just got so much better. And I thought, this is cool. So I started telling my friends and they all started trying things. And I thought, okay, I've got something here. This is the mommy mojo makeover. It's the next phase in this evolution of what I've been writing about. Um, And so then I started workshopping it, which was very fun. Um, And I didn't think about really writing it as a book for a while. Um, But we had moved to the island of St. Lucia for a few years. And I thought, well... I've got nothing else to do, so I may as well write it as a book. Um, And that's when all the tools kind of became very clear, and I narrowed it down to really the best and most effective tools that touch upon self-care, expressing desires, reclaiming time, reigniting romance, um bringing back frequency and variety and creativity within your sexual relationship, uh, reducing resentment, which is such a big thing that happened. Huge. Oh, so huge. Resentment is king in so many postpartum periods. It's such a big, it's a big, big, big elephant in the room. And I think it stems from fatigue and fear. Yes. 
I think when you really, you know, when you really strip it all down, it's such deep fatigue and also this fear of not being in control. Yes. And also the fear of, of asking for what you need, because I think so many mothers feel we have to do it all of ourselves. And if we're not the ones working or if we're working part-time and he's bringing in all the money, well, then it's all my responsibility. And instead of asking for more help, I'll just, you know, stuff it down. And then that just turns into this horrible pot of simmering resentment. Um, Yeah. Which is used. I think a lot of women are afraid to ask for what they want because they're pretty sure that the answer is going to be no. And then they're going to feel more resentful. So then they get into that little resentment cycle where you resent for resentment's sake. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but I want to, I want to you know, counter that. And for anyone who's listening, who does feel like the answer is going to be no, um, I would say you, you might be wrong. You might be wrong. And the answer might yeah, be I, not, you know? yeah. I say that most partners want their wives to be happy, to be rested, to feel supported, but aren't naturally inclined to offer it in the most effusive way that we would like, you know, partners aren't necessarily mind readers. Right. Um, So we have to get clear, very clear about specifically what kind of help that we want. And then we need to ask for it in a, in a clear, direct um, way that he, I'm speaking very heterosexual here. I'm sorry. um, In a way that he will respond to. And in the book, one of my favorite tools was inspired by Dr. John Gray, who wrote, um, the men are from Mars, women are from Venus book, which is just to use W words when asking for help. And that is, would you, or will you? So instead of, could you just take out the garbage? Mm -hmm. Would you take out the garbage for me? Don't you think you could just watch the kids on Saturday? I need to go to the gym and I'm, I'm really frustrated. Would you watch the kids on Saturday from one till four? And that's it. It's different. It's a it's subtle different. difference. Yeah. It's a really subtle difference. Um, but when I first started practicing that tool, A, I couldn't believe how many times I said, could you or can you? Mm-hmm. And and you know what? I think to to a man's mind, it's like, well, yeah, of course I can. Like I'm not a, a child. Of course I can. Yeah. So it's almost like an affront or a challenge to their abilities. But would you say, when you say, would you or will you, you're asking for their help in a way that kind of gives them the opportunity to be your hero. So it's a little bit like basic biology, um, the differences in men and women, but I would suggest to anyone who wants more help, who needs more help, but is afraid to ask, just try that simple shift in your word choices and say, would you or will you? And keep it brief. You don't have to explain yourself, just keep it brief and ask for the specific task that you need help with that would inspire you to feel more rested, more cared for, more supported, which then guess what makes you feel more attracted to your partner. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to step back just a little bit. I, I want to get to the, to some of the tips, but I also, it, it seems like some women feel like so much pressure to get back to normal or get back to functioning at a high level shortly after having a baby. But a lot of women just don't feel that way. It's not normal. There's no, it's not going to go back the way it was. You know, there's a brand new normal now. And for a lot of women, there's just this time period where they just don't want to have sex. Mm -hmm. It's just part of it, I think is fatigue. A lot of it, part of it is because their body has changed Mm -hmm. and, you know, there might be some inhibition about. Sure how they look, how they feel. And part of it is that I, I think a lot of women say there was this, you know, six month, 10 month, two year period where I just didn't want it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh, where do we start? <laughs> I know. Well, I think that it has to be okay for some women, you know, to just say I, at this time in my life, I just have to take a break. Absolutely. I think a break is certainly necessary. Um, yeah. and I don't, but then I think, that, but then there's also that point that women get to where having sex again reaffirms that, oh yeah, I'm not, you know, just somebody's mom. I'm a woman. That's right. 
That's right. Yeah. I was just about to say that in the sense of like, yeah. yes, a break is, is good, but too much of a break can sort of erase the knowledge from your memory that sex does make you feel like a woman who's capable of great pleasure. Um, yeah. And that sex and intimate exploration can really be a healing salve to the challenges and frustrations and stress of parenting. Um, so I think that, look, amidst all the other things we quote unquote have to do as parents and all the responsibilities we have, we think, oh, sex is just one more thing I have to do. It's an obligation. Right. And I encourage women when they're ready, but sometimes they need a little push to instead of viewing it as an obligation to see it as an opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to express myself, for my partner to express himself, for us to play, for us to um, experience pleasure again, for us to take a break from the hard work of parenting. And if you can shift your mindset enough to get you in the bedroom, to have some fun and have an orgasm, then suddenly you start to remember, oh, this is fun. It wasn't as hard or challenging or yeah. time consuming as I thought it might be. And that actually energized me. It didn't drain me. So yes, take your time, heal, do what you need to do. But I would say don't take too much of a break because then getting back in the game um, can feel like a bigger hurdle than it needs to be. I think for a lot of women, when they finally do, you know, re-engage with their sex life, that for them can be the moment where they go, oh, right, I am me. There I am. I'm not, you know, just someone's mother. I am who I have always been. Yes. Yeah. And it's hard to remember that. You're right. Sex is a great place of, you know, space to remember that. Um, getting out of the house for a few hours while someone does bedtime is another great place and space to remember that, to wander freely as a woman. So yes, finding these little opportunities where you can just be yourself mm -hmm. as a woman um, and let mm -hmm. the other roles of caretaker, mom, wife, worker, let those fall away for a minute. It's so refreshing. Yeah, it really is. Well, let's talk about some of the tips. Okay. Do you have anything in particular you want me to just throw would tell me talk to me <laughs> okay well the tip that um i think that a lot of parents want to know right off the bat is how do you find the time when to have a love life and the privacy when you have toddlers and kids yeah i mean lock lock on the door at least right <laughs> yes so i'm a big um i'm like a super organized person and i like to apply that uh that skill, my organizational and time management skills to my sex life. And I certainly recommend, you know, when you have little kids, I feel like if you don't do some scheduling or planning around sex, it's just never going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I do suggest what I do. This is a practice that I do. Um, on Sunday night, I sit down with my calendar. I look at what I have going on in the week and I call it my mojo mapping and sex planning session. And I look and I see, okay, where am I going to get little hits of self-care? Where am I going to squeeze in a 20-minute nap so that I can feel energized? Where am I going to maybe find time to take a walk or grab a drink with my girlfriends? Because I know that's going to inspire me as a woman. And then I say, where are the moments in my week where I can create 10 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe an hour of time for intimacy with my husband, right? I try to look for two opportunities a week with my husband, but I say if you can even start with one, you're going to be in good shape. Mm -hmm. and, and when I'm doing that, I'm thinking about, okay, is there a moment where we can make love in the morning after I get the kids off to school? When both my kids used to nap, I had a whole system, right? Nap time. I had both <laughs> Nap time. I had both my kids napping from 1.30 till 4.30 for a few years. And so on the weekends, I would be like, okay, I'm going to get them down by 1.30. You're going to run me a bath so that when I come down the stairs, there's this beautiful bath. I feel cared for. 
I'm going to take that bath and that's going to be my transition time, right? From being the mom all morning Mm -hmm. to shifting into being the woman who's feeling more sensual, who's ready to make love. And then we've got like two hours. So then we can make love for whatever, 35, 40 minutes. And then we've still got some time, not just to hang out, but some alone time to read, to do whatever it is that we want. So it's really for me about when you're seeking out time, it's about being pretty strategic um, in utilizing nap times. If you can afford a babysitter, I always suggest um, to use that money for what I call a sexy Sunday morning. Get the kids out of the house from 8 until 12, right? And then you've got four magical hours. So you can read the paper together, drink coffee together, be in your house alone together, which is like mind-blowing, yeah, you know? <laughs> to be in your own space without the kids is just mind-blowing. And then you've got time to have sex. You've got a little time you can go out and have a brunch, And it's really the best money you'll spend on a babysitter is giving yourself these four hours. Um, It's not a date night when you're kind of tired and you know you got to get up in the morning. It's like a morning date, but it's sexy. Um, So I say just get real strategic about finding the time and plan it like you plan anything else. Like as moms, we're such good planners. We plan birthday parties. We plan meal plans. We're like the best organizers, but then we don't apply any of that to our sex lives. And so I think just take that skill and apply it to your sex life and get, you know, strategic about finding the time. Do you think that's the number one tip out of the 28? Uh, Do you know what? I think so. Because what I hear the most when I ask women what their main challenges are when it comes to sex and relationships after kids, the thing I think I hear the most about is time and energy. I hear a lot about self-love and exhaustion too, but if you spend a little bit of time planning, what it does is it allows you to, um, to maintain your energy. So if you know you're going to have sex on a Wednesday night because you've planned it and your mom's taking the kids out for a few hours, then what you can do is plan for a 15 minute nap, right? To reset yourself. And so then that takes care of the energy. Um, It also, you know, what the planning does is it allows you to build some anticipation. It allows you to get in the right mindset. I think what happens a lot is, you know, the kids, you will have gotten them to sleep and then you go and you do the dishes and maybe your partner comes up behind you and starts nuzzling you and you immediately push him off. Oh no, he wants sex. Oh no, not tonight. No, 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 I'm busy. But if you plan for it, then you have time to shift your mindset. You have time to flirt with each other. You have time to, you know, maybe take a bath or dance with yourself to some of your favorite sexy music. You have time to um, shift into that state of sensuality. So I would say that, yes, planning is probably my number one tip to um, rekindling your sex life and bringing back some frequency. Well, what about a few more? What are, what are some of the other 28? Um, so, you know, one of my favorites is um, <clears throat> on the subject of planning and sort of mapping out when you're going to have, um, you know, some sexiness in your life. Um, I would say making time to masturbate as well. I call it the solo session. Um, I think it is one of the most healing acts of self-care that you can do for yourself as a mother. Um, we are always putting other people first, mm-hmm. right, in motherhood. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and we do so because we're full of love for these people. But um, having a solo session, you are actually making a statement where you're putting yourself first. Um, and I think it's a very bold statement. And I think it's making a commitment to experiencing pleasure And I think that moms need more pleasure. I think moms need more fun. So I would say take 15 minutes a week, you know, whether you, you know, love using sex toys or not, grab your favorite sex toy or your hand, however you like it, and treat yourself to an orgasm. I think the benefits are just amazing for stress relief, uh, for creating energy, for raising um, just your sexual vibrations and, and keeping the idea that pleasure is a healthy, important part of a mother's life, keeping that idea at the forefront of your mind. 
And it's reprioritize or it's prioritizing, you know, how you like want your life to be, you know? Totally. I think that I don't know if it's a mistake, but it's a it's a common life plan that you just wait for things to happen to you. Right. And you hope that the things that you want to happen will come along. But yeah, that hardly ever works out the way you want. Instead, you gotta make it happen. That's right. Yeah. I always yeah. say, don't wait for desire to just come, you know, knock you in the head, create it. Don't wait, create. Um, yeah. And on that topic, another really fun thing that I do recommend and something that you don't have to do any planning around, you don't have to spend any money to do it is, um, is to basically just infuse every day with sexy stimulation. And, and by that, what I mean is, It's just as you're going through your daily life, you're running errands or you're at the office or you're doing, you're watching, you know, you're at your kid's karate class on the sidelines, is to just look for the sexiness that already exists in those moments because it's there. We're just kind of not seeing it because we got these kid blinders on or we have our errand blinders on. We're running errands and that's all we're thinking about. But like at the grocery store, I always give the same example, like I love to linger in the produce department because there are all these beautiful vegetables that, um, you know, they look phallic, they're glistening, they're sexy and strong. And and it gives me this kind of um, inner dialogue that is much sexier than, okay, I need five apples, I need eight carrots, I need a head of cabbage. So, what it does is it takes your kind of mundane moments of motherhood and it allows you to transform them into some light fantasies that feel um, a lot more inspiring, right? So yes, you're still going about your day. You're still getting everything done, but you're seeing it through a sexier, more sensual lens. And then all of a sudden you've got like a cheeky little smile on your face because you know, you hadn't thought about the carrots in that way before. And then you come home and you're cooking dinner and you're cutting those carrots. But instead of thinking, oh, I have to cook dinner and then I have to clean, you're actually uh, thinking about something sexier and it makes everything more pleasurable. So (laughs) it's a little bit of adolescent boy in every woman. (laughs) It is. It absolutely is. But it's also like, hey, you know what? Why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I think about sex more? Why shouldn't I you know, pay attention to who's making my coffee at Starbucks. Maybe they've got a sexy smile that I haven't noticed before. Um, And I think that when you feed your mind with that kind of sensual stimulation, you're nourishing yourself and you're also nourishing your libido on a subtle but very real and powerful level. I remember when... um when my son and his friends were, you know, at that adolescent age, mm-hmm. my son making a comment about how they just can't help but think about it all the time because everything looks like something sexy, everything. Right. And so I would point things out like, really? Does that? Yeah, mom, <laughs> look at the handle. Oh, right. How about that? Duh, look at it. Oh, huh. <laughs> it's everywhere. And why not? You know, why not? It's, uh, you know, I think that we get into this habit of compartmentalizing sex and sensuality. You know, it's only something that happens in the bedroom. Uh, and that's just not true. I think integrating it into our daily life, uh, into our reality as, uh, as moms is a beautiful thing and it brings a lot more joy to the whole experience. I think it also, you know, we still have some pretty prim American ideas when it comes to women and sex, especially mothers. You know, it's the mm-hmm. Madonna whore syndrome. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that we've come a long way, but I still think that we have these social constructs that or, or social norms about, you know, what mothers are supposed to be like. And we still seem to think yeah. that they're supposed to be, you know, pure as the driven snow, which really yeah. and, any and woman that I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just want to blow the lid off those preconceptions yeah. about motherhood yeah. and sex. And I want to 
help help women normalize, you know, the the integration of their sensuality within their experience of motherhood and women and womanhood. Um, yeah, I like that word integration. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a real integration. It's a real integration. Yeah. yeah, and it's more realistic than trying to use the term balance because yeah. what's balance? Who yeah. even knows what that no is? Idea. <laughs> Me neither. Integration, though, we can do that. Yes, totally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about men? You know, some men have a tough time adjusting to all the new parenting challenges, and you know, it's not as common. But I think that a lot of what you have to say applies to men. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, there are starting to be more resources. There's some great websites now for men. Uh, Fatherly is a good one. Dad is a good one. I think people are starting to recognize uh, the dad's experience more and all the changes that he experiences. Um, And, of course, you know, as women, we bear the physical, you know, uh, responsibility to carry and deliver the child and then feed the child. Um, but I think on a very primal level, there's this instinct, you know, oh my gosh, I've got to care for everybody now. You know, I've got to make the money to put, you know, to feed everyone. And, um, and that can be very, you know, of course it's very inspiring and motivating, but it can also put a lot of stress on, on men. Um, and stress isn't so good for a man's libido either. Right. Um, and so I think that sometimes there's this misconception that, oh, well, it's always the guy who wants more sex and the woman who wants less. But sometimes in relationships, uh, when a man becomes really stressed out, he loses his libido as well. And then a woman feels, oh, well, what, what's, what am I doing wrong? Why isn't he attracted to me? Oh, why doesn't, why has he stopped initiating sex? Um, it's that, it's that resentment feedback loop again, you know? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And, and, and you actually know, what's going on, you know, you know, the things that she's thinking, he's not attracted to me, you know, he's not initiating all of that stuff. That's not what's going on in his mind. He's got something else in his mind. But we we feed ourselves these lines and convince ourselves that, nope, that's what it is. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, it can all be solved by open communication. Right. It can just all be solved by open communication. Yeah. And, and people are afraid of that. They're afraid to speak their truth. Um but, you know, my husband and I, we, we, you know, we sort of have this policy of like, we don't let things fester. Um, and so whenever, you know, and especially resentment, we're like, hey, let's have a little resentment check in. I'm feeling resentful because, and we've gotten to this place where we can honestly say why we feel resentful, even if it, even if it sounds irrational, even if in my mind I'm going, I can't believe I'm saying this. It makes no sense to me, but I'm still feeling it. Mm-hmm. And we get it out and we hear one another and we talk it through. And it's like, it just brings us so much closer and makes our relationship so much stronger. Just open communication is so key. It's just so clutch to keeping things healthy. It's probably your number two yeah. tip, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Dana, you and I have been talking for quite some time. What else do we want listeners to know? Oh, gosh. What do we want listeners to know? You know, you're such a great interviewer. I got to tell you that. Um, Thanks. We want to make sure that they know where they can get the book. Yeah. Well, you can definitely pick up a copy of the book at Amazon. If you just go there and you type in the Mommy Mojo Makeover, you can grab yourself a copy. I also have a Facebook group um, where we're kind of continuing this conversation about self-love and sex and relationships after kids. That is called The Satisfied Mama, and it's a private Facebook group that we're in every day. Um, And I'm really loving that. It's this virtual community um, where people are opening up and sharing, and I definitely deliver a lot of good content there, too. And then if anybody wants to find me, um, they can find me at my website, which is Dana B. Myers. That's D-A-N-A-B-M-Y-E-R-S.com. Yeah. And just, you know, keep in touch. Join my newsletter. Um, I'm doing workshops in some different cities. 
I'm going to be launching my digital workshop um, of the Mommy Mojo Makeover, which is going to be really cool and very community driven. Um, and yeah, I'm just kind of excited to uh, to continue this work. And 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 you know what? I, I always learn as much from the moms that I talk to um, as they say they're learning from me. So I just say, you know, reach out, say hello. Yeah. Well, I do have a couple more questions for you. Okay, sure. Before we wrap it up, I like to ask yeah. everybody these two. How would you okay. fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Hmm. <laughs> Nobody ever told me that I would have a total identity crisis when I had a child. I wish someone had told me that. I just wish someone had said to me, look, you're going to wake up different. It's going to take some time to figure out who you are. I would have been less surprised had someone said that to me. That is a really good one. Because, you know, after the fact, we all think, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> yeah, total, duh. Yeah, duh. <laughs> but before that, I think that it's, it's just, it's something you really, I mean, how can you even imagine yourself being someone else? You, you can't. Yeah, yeah, apparently I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense <laughs> to me, Dana. <laughs> all right. Well, then my last question for you is this. Who are you in your life as a mom? Mm, who am I in my life as a mom? That is a beautiful question. I, um, I am, I am a supporter of who my children are just as they are. Um, I want my kids to know that I love them and respect them and support them truly just as they are, whoever they want to be. Um, I, I'm, I think I'm at a place where it feels really good and honest to not project my wishes, my hopes, my dreams for them onto them. And I, I just want to witness them and support them. And that feels really good. And I think it feels really good to them as well. That's a good place to be. That's a real yeah. good place. Well, Dana, yeah. this has been a fun conversation. I bet you and I will talk again down the road sometime. I hope so. I hope so. I really do. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said. Mama said. Our guest today was Dana B. Myers, and you can learn more about her at DanaBMyers.com. Every Mother Counts is the nonprofit organization I mentioned, and their Mother's Day collection is called the Orange Rose Collection. You can learn more about me at jeanfaulkner.com. Tweet me, email me, send me your questions and comments, and please pick up a copy of my book, Common Sense Pregnancy. It's everywhere. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Thanks, Alex. I also want to mention that we are a member of the Parents on Demand Network, a curated collection of podcasts all about pregnancy and parenting. Another one of our network is the Doing It at Home podcast hosted by Matthew and Sarah Bivens. Doing It at Home is a show dedicated to empowering stories and resources around home birth. Go find them at diahpodcast.com or over on the Parents on Demand Network. Bye-bye. We'll talk again next week, everybody. Someone will look at me like I'm looking.